All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada. All business, all winter. Welcome to the Real Life Podcast. I'm Jason Strudwick, your hostess with the mostest. You can see me every night on Dinner TV from 5 to 7 in a well-cut jacket and tight jeans. Uh, beside me is the man uh, they know as Jason Greger. He's the host of the Jason Greger Show from 2 till 6. And the gentleman is fired up tonight. Or today we'll get him uh, into that in a few minutes' time. Also, uh, we've got Wanye, the, one of the uh, original... What, what's the word you use to, to say how awesome you are? The head internet troll of the Oilers Nation, I believe, is the term we use. Yeah, you can see me on Twitter whenever I feel like it, and Instagram posting photos of people's cats. It's actually a true story. He does post a lot of photos of cats, which is really odd, because he doesn't own a cat. You're a cat person? Surely not. Can I just add right now that we have four people and three mics, and this is a ghetto setup, and my uh, mic seems to be held together by some sort of scotch tape rig not even duct tape no it's not <laughs> duct tape no 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 that's that's for the real media this is oilers nation now just real quickly here because we have louis debrasque here as well thank you for coming on the show My pleasure. Uh, I, your bio would probably take 45 minutes in yeah. itself oilers legend uh media stalwart but you guys came in here last week when i was off and you did a show and this is like lost to the mists of time now because somebody didn't plug a mic in or get the scotch tape just right or something so this is like deja vu right that's right yes yeah so is that why you're so mad today, Gregor? Because the show went to hell last week and you oh, had to come no, in and do it all, all again and call Louis DeBrusque and look like a schmuck? Not, not at all, no. Well, no, but it's just nice. Now I, now I have Louis' number. I can text talk him anytime I want. <laughs> so what did you guys talk about last week? Are we going to do the exact same show like Groundhog Well, I guess you'll have to wait and find out now, won't you? 
act and let the magic happen all around me. That's how it goes. Well, let's get into it, Louis. Louis, uh, it's great to have you here. We were we were former teammates, mm-hmm. uh, and we also played against each other before that. I think we have to get kind of the elephant of the room out. Uh, no. You know, we both were involved in a few fights, and like, do you want to apologize for that night? You jumped a 21-year-old skinny, pale gentleman in Arizona, Phoenix. You jumped me and beat me up on Saturday night hockey. Is now's your chance to apologize? Night? Oh, I remember it was Saturday night. <laughs> Yeah, you lose track of things like that down in Phoenix a little bit when you're playing down there. I, but that's not how I remember. <laughs> I remember some like ferocious, crazy guy coming over the bench and just absolutely molesting me down the ice, <laughs> not taking no for an answer. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to do this. Yeah. I, well, looking back, I wish I would have taken no for an answer because <laughs> we were down like five nothing. I remember Mark Crawford's like, "You got to get something going, Stretty." I'm like, "Oh God, who's out there? Oh, not this guy." So I, I kind of talked myself, tough talked myself into it. And went out there, and as I remembered, it ended fairly quickly. Uh, and all my buddies called me after chirping me about getting beat up on uh, hockey night in Canada. Part, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you did real well in that one. As Kelly Chase used to always say, you came in third in that one. There was only two guys in the fight. Yeah, <laughs> That's like... That's that, a bad one. That's always harsh when your buddies are watching. It wasn't watching. that bad, though, Struddy. That, that, <laughs> it was... when, when your buddies are watching, and then all oh. you do is you open your phone, and it's a bunch of incessant yeah. text messages saying, well, you lost. And you know full well that the guy on the other end of the phone, he wouldn't fight a shadow, no. yet he's chirping you about losing yeah. a fight on Hockey Night in Canada. You know what? That's the worst, though, when, they, when they're, the game's out of hand. And I used to always, you know, you're sitting on the bench, and one goal, two goal, oh, three goal. Yes. That three-goal deficit was always <laughs> kind of like... Ding, 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 ding. You kind of look up the bench like, oh, no, here it comes, right? And you'd have some coaches that would be like, you're going out there for sure. And other ones would be like, just sit down. Like, I'm, I'm not going to expose you to that right now. But unless something happened on the ice. No, they wouldn't do it just to do it. It was if something was happening in the game they didn't like and they wanted to settle it down, then go out there. But I had some coaches that would put me out there in the last couple of minutes regardless. And it was just like, really? All right, here we go. Am I padding my stats out here? Hey, should I get a goal yeah, or an yeah. assist? Yeah. And they look yeah. out the other side. It's like a bunch of uh, Neanderthals coming and like, you guys want to play this one yeah. out? How do we want to do yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> Next goal wins. Yeah. That's what you guys should have done sometime. Yeah. Just yeah. should have all as oh, the oh, union. Okay. As the union this yeah. one time. Yeah. 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 You know what? I'll spot you this one. Yeah. Get a breakaway. Go top shelf. Yeah. See what you got. Yeah. One of my favorite times, honestly, when Glenn Sather came back to coach, and I, and I know now why he was considered such a great coach because he could handle so many egos and, and tremendous players and personalities. And, you know, that to me was impressive in itself how he did it. But he came back and he's behind the bench. And we had a bad team. But it was the exact same situation as that Struddy. It was, you know, we were down by a couple of goals. And, you know, he yells down, Debrusque. Da, da, and I kind of look up. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I got to get something started. And he, and, he, and he stopped me before I went on the ice. And he goes, I know what you're thinking, and I'm, that's not why I'm throwing you on the ice. Go out there and score a goal. I kind of look back, and, I'm, he, and then, he, then he read my mind again, and he goes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm just saying that. I'm not just saying that. Go out there and score a goal. And I was like, oh, my God, man. This guy's like you know, playing Jedi mind trick. <laughs> and honest to God, I went out there and scored a goal. Come on. I swear to God. I came back, and he goes, see, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like, you know what? Can you be my coach forever? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, though. When the game got a hand, I remember one time we were playing against uh, Anaheim. Jim Cummings was there. He was a pretty yeah. tough oh, guy. he was really tough. So I think, I don't know if, I think they got up on us at home, and I'm like, I got to go do something. So I'm like chasing around, like, come on. We got to do this. Come on, let's go. He's like, no, no, no. So finally we fight. I probably get the better of him, you know, like, whatever. So sitting in the box, he's like, Struddy. Like, he's like, you owe me one. I'm like, why? 
oh, I'm so tired. I was at the Roxy last night. I can barely stand up. And I'm like, all right, I owe you one. Like, and so another game, like a little while later, he came after me like, oh, I got to do this. And it was so funny. It was like a training, uh, horse training, right? Well, I always wondered about, because you always heard about the code and it slowly evaporated over time where you didn't see guys who were willing, because when you were up to nothing, then suddenly your coach was like, well, you can't give them any chance of momentum, so now you don't fight. Like, when did that suddenly change? Did you sense that as a player, Lou? Like, was there a time all of a sudden where it's like, it used to be acceptable that if you were up to nothing, you would still honor the other guy's tough guy and away you'd go, and then it, that kind of changed. Do you remember when that changed? I kind of do, and it wasn't that long ago. It was, like, literally in the last five years. And it really changed, I think, a few years ago where you just saw the fights really decrease in numbers throughout the games. But... Um, yeah, like five years ago, there was still a, a pretty good amount of fighting in the National Hockey League, but then they really started to buckle down. And I think ever, since we started talking about concussions um, and just the way the game has changed, to be honest with you, the salary cap with, you know, having entry-level deals, with having to be so precise with the players you have on the ice, those players like myself became um, extinct, so to speak. They just aren't in the league anymore. There is, there's still fights nowadays, but it's guys who play more minutes, right? And I'm sure... And t for the guys, I always felt the toughest job in hockey because you used to have Dave Semenko would fight all the time, but he also got to play 14 minutes a night or 10 minutes a night. Then you went to that era of the, of the, late, of the early 90s where guys were playing literally three <laughs> and four minutes, and yeah. you knew that's all they were there for. And yeah. to me, that, <laughs> like, that had to be the hardest mental game ever yeah. because you felt like you never, even when you played well, be like, well, they're not even going to look at that. All they're going to care about is if, if I would fight the other guy. Yeah. Like, that had to be the toughest aspect of your game was mentally preparing yourself to fight a guy when you weren't even mad, weren't even upset about him, and you were just fighting him because that's what you had to do. That's why I used to get to the rink three hours before the game because I couldn't sleep in the afternoon thinking about the game that night. It's true. You know, we, we, we reminisce about the good old days now, and that, that era was, to me, um, the most designated fighters, so yeah. to speak, in the league. You know, when you look back and the fights that I grew up watching and, you know, you know, Stan Jonathan, John Wensink, you know, I, I love Terry O'Reilly. You know, you'd look and see Ben Wilson, Clark Gillies, you know, um, Bobby Nystrom. Those are the guys that I cut my teeth on watching. And if you watch all those guys, well, some of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, but they they played the game. Mm -hmm. You know, they were in the game. They were involved. And that's what it made. That's what made it more passionate as far as I was concerned. It was the heat of the battle. The rivalries were built. And those guys were out there all the time. So when they fought, it meant something. Yeah. You know, it meant something because it was it was for the win. Um, and they disliked each other. A lot of times, I was out at a face-off fighting a guy that, you know what? I don't even know him. He hasn't done anything. I haven't done anything to him. It was just because we were fighting. You know, we just need to do it because that was the job we did. And we all understood that. Honestly, you don't have to like it, but we understood it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's you know, we knew It was your was... choice. You chose that role. So I remember, and I'll tell you, it was specific to me because Steve McIntyre, when he came to the Oilers, right? Now, this guy, to me, would be tough in any era. You know, this is this is a guy that yeah. in any era ever would be top five in the league, potentially could be easily top five in the league. That's how tough he was. And unfortunately for Steve, he was too tough because – that's when you started to get coaches saying to their tough guy, don't fight this McIntyre. Because like you're saying, Jason, it could have a negative impact on our bench. It could have a negative impact on us. If he goes out there and crushes the guy like he did right to his even on against Calgary, it deflates the whole bench. And I remember saying at that time, the tough guys are going to not fight their way right out of the league. And that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, because they, yep. they became kind of trained to sat like Strud's. I don't know how much boxing you did, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't know if, if if a guy could really train an, an orangutan arm guy to box. I'm not sure if that's possible or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was definitely not something that you, you I did saw a lot. I saw Bull one time box. <laughs> <laughs> the refrigerator Perry, wasn't it? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, everybody fighting. In the no, yeah. you know what it is? It's funny you say it because you're right. I felt I, when I played with Mac, I felt the same thing. He was too tough. Yeah. And guys were like, this isn't even worth it. You know, but I remember when I thought when fighting changed, it was right after locker 0405. Before that, if I'd asked someone to fight, no one ever said no. Now, maybe they thought they'd beat me up, which is maybe fair. But then after that, right after that lockout, I remember asking guys and they'd say no, no. And I'd never had that before. And all of a sudden, everyone's saying no. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? And then so I started saying no, like, oh, I'm yeah. tired. But before it was never you're tired. You just do it. And that for me is when I was like, okay, it's changing, you know, and it, it's – the, the tough guys were fighting less, and it, it that for me was kind of the, the, the beginning. So, what amazing. happened? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say Never it's amazing. Would I Louis DeBras. No, My God in heaven, I'd murdered. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah, whatever you want, up, sir. It brings up a really good point because I, I remember coaches trying to tell me not to fight. Glenn Sayers did it one time to me, Sandy sure. McCarthy. Uh, we were up in the game, and I had tried fighting him in Calgary the week before, and it was the gamesmanship of it. He, I came in, and this is, this is kind of funny, too. Um, Barry Stafford <clears throat> used to do it with Dave Brown. Dave Brown wore a really tight jersey, and then he put uh, pledge on his arm, furniture polish. So, like, I mean, you go to grab it, and it was like, zoom, you'd slide off it. You'd be on the ice <laughs> KO'd before you even knew it. So I came in and said, listen, like, Sandy's going to want to fight me here. Can we do some of that pledge stuff? So he pledged my arm up, and I'm all ready to go, and then Slatsy comes in again and goes, hey, don't you be fighting McCarthy. He's going to be coming after you. Don't fight him. He didn't, he didn't fight you last week, remember? Don't fight him. And I'm like, <gasps> like, what am I supposed to do then? You know, like, I'm kind of like, he's going to be chasing me around the ice. And the funniest thing was he dropped one of his gloves. And Kelly Buckberger skated by him and slashed him on the bare knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a great teammate. But you're right. Patrick Cote one time, um, Bob Francis said the same thing. Don't fight because we were up in the game. And Patrick Cote was great about it he literally he didn't do anything dirty he just followed me around the ice the whole shift and i finally looked at the bench and said i have to fight him like i can't not fight him so yeah you, you, yeah you have pride i was told one time both down were sure how we fight in vancouver they pulled uh mark crawford said don't fight uh scott parker or chris Dingman. this is a big rivalry colorado vancouver and those two guys, they came out looking for it right away. And we were so embarrassed. And it was in our home building. People were like, why don't you eat? You know, hear the yep. family? So after the game, Brashear says, come with me. And then we, we won the game. We walk in the dressing room. He's like, don't ever, ever tell us when to fight or not. He's like, no problem. And we walked out. And we after we could do whatever we wanted. But because it's embarrassing. You have pride, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't want to be embarrassed at your own building. And guys, we fought. We fought him a lot of times already. It wasn't like it was new. Oh, that was weird. And you know what? It's kind of like a little bit of a message where, like, are, do you think I'm going to get beat up that bad that it's going to swing the momentum <laughs> in their favor? Like, do you have any confidence in me? And I swear, Bob, if that wasn't the reason, I really think Bob Francis that year, um, one of the least fighting years that I had, he just, you know, he that aspect of the game, he didn't, you know, he didn't want you to get involved if you didn't have to, if something wasn't happening. But if something happened, certainly get in there. And he was another one of those coaches that would not put me out there late in the game. You know, so it wasn't, it was both ways with him, right? It wasn't... Uh, just the one-sided. So what happened to you, Strad, like in the 0405 locker? Did everyone just collectively come to their senses? I was watching ESPN Classics the other night. I can't remember who was playing. I was just watching briefly after an Oilers win, no big deal. But I think the fire in the game in those days, I mean, you go down the bench and guys have like chooses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, they were showing Milbury 
night in the crowd smacking the guy with the shoe? You know, has the fire gone out of the game because of the, the lockout, or what do you think happened? You want? Well, okay, I, I honestly think what happened is the rules change. That was a big thing. The rule change was massive. Yeah, and you could know it didn't need to be a really heavy guy. Like I know personally, I was 236 pounds the year before the lockout. When they changed the rules, I got down to 220. I'm like, you had to change the rules to get quicker and faster. So those guys were kind of getting left in the dust a little bit. So they were not only were they maybe not playing as much on the ice, they were actually not playing at all, not dressing. So it was, and then they did get in there, they were trying to prove that they could stay with the game. Like Chris Ding was a good example. You know, he kind of, the rules really hurt him. I thought yep. he could play a little longer. The rules changed him. He now was trying to play because no one wants to fight him. And then you saw that he was struggling on the ice. You're like, well, why am I going to fight this guy? He's really struggling. And then coach stopped playing him. So it really happened that first year. Like there was a lot of guys that were dropped really fast. I mean, it was incredible, especially defensemen. Yeah. No, you know what? Honestly, because of the no hooking and grabbing and clutching, it uh, it completely changed the pace of the game. It was unbelievable how fast the game became. Literally within two weeks of the season, they were calling so many minor penalties that it became keep your stick on the ice, don't even lift your stick, don't even be parallel with the ice because you'll get called. Well, and that leads me to uh, Here we go. nice topic segue. today. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been waiting. Did you see him roll up his sleeves? Hey, I think he's got the tape on. Like, watch the NHL, and I'm a fan of the NHL. I don't cheer for one specific team. I watch a lot of games. I like skilled guys. I'll watch Patrick Kane any of the day of the week. Johnny uh, Gaudreau in Calgary, unbelievable puck count. Crosby obviously goes without saying. Eric Carlson, Connor McDavid now in Edmonton, just to watch him. The, the game against St. Louis and all of other games, like you go back to that Minnesota game against Gaudreau, and I know, Stretch, you talked about it. It was a simple rule change. If your stick was parallel to the ice and you got a guy on the hands, it was an automatic penalty, right? That was in the rule book. It was clear as day. touched him. Yeah, it just was clear him. as day. So here we are now, 10 years later, mm -hmm. and everyone talks about the players being faster, which I'm sure they are, and everybody's faster now. There's like even the number six defenseman in today's NHL is probably fast as the number two defenseman a decade ago. Like I think it's that much quicker all across the board. The problem is they don't call the penalties. Like Connor McDavid's getting mugged on the ice. Sidney Crosby, and I hear people say, well, you got to fight through it. Why? Why does the NHL think you have to fight through it? Every other sport looks at their star players and says, okay, if you just call the rule book, I don't even think that's favoring the stars. Who has the puck the most? Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Johnny Gaudreau, etc. So if they have the puck the most, they're likely going to be having to endure the most punishment. Sure, I don't mind that, but at least call the ones that are there. Like, why do you think they've changed? Because it's a joke now watching the game. Like last night, it was an obstruction fest against the Blues. I agree. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't go against you on this one, Jay, because I, I honestly have no idea why they've changed it. I don't know what they're doing, but I think they're failing, in my opinion, um, what do we always talk about? What do you want? <clears throat> they want to change goalie equipment to try and get more goals in this game. Why not just call more power plays? Yeah, like call, call just enforce the rules. Power plays. Enforce the rules. And here's the thing. Um, I am so tired, especially last night. Okay, Petrangelo is a very good player in his own right. But McDavid gets in on a breakaway, not once, but twice. He slashes him on the wrist. It wasn't even on the stick. He turns the stick over as well. So, I mean, he changes his blade over. It's like McCracken, come, man. It's come, McCracken yeah, from Slapshot. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And comes down on him. And, I mean, I feel bad for Conor McDavid right now because the game in Toronto against Nazem Kadri, same thing. He's looking around going, where is the league protecting me right now? Where is the officials that are on my side because I'm supposed to be the guy that people are coming to watch in this building and put up points, yet 
you're limiting my ability to do that by not calling penalties when I get a great A chance in on net. Um, who knows if he would have scored or not? That's not the point. The point is there should have been a penalty on that play. It's a breakaway with a guy chasing. How do two officials on the ice not see those slashes? Tell me how one of the two doesn't see it. And I know they each call different penalties respectively, but step up and make a call in that situation. So you guys, and Strudge, you talked about it before we started this podcast today, was that they came out after the lockout and the rules were very clear. And they showed you guys videos. If you do this, yep. you're going to be in the box. And they adhered to it. So did that continue in 2007 and eight? Did you have those videos or have they stopped sending them? Like when you retired, did you get a video at the start of the year? Okay, just a reminder, donkeys. If you do this, this is a hook. If you do this, this is a slash. I don't remember having the videos like that, but for sure after the 405. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's about tightening up the standards. I think that, I, I would think the NHL is going to tighten them up. But you can tighten up those standards and you can get more power plays the guys are talking about. But as usual, as per usual on this podcast, I have to be the voice of reason here amongst uh, all these people. <laughs> the problem is that the game is so much faster. There's no time. No one has time to make plays. But McDavid has tons of time. He's that quick. He's making plays, and he's getting accosted out there, Struds. It's like he looks like the girl that was 19, and you're on your first time out at the bar, and you just have to talk to her. You can't leave her alone. Right? You got the orangutan arms trying to reach across the bar. Okay, let's take off the, the five fastest players in the league. So that leaves you with 700 guys. I don't even think Johnny Gaudreau's that quick, but he's so shifty. Right, like he's not going to beat you in a straight line, but he's so fast side to side. Guys can't well, skate like that. Have, where does this have to do with officials? You're yeah. What I'm saying is that you can put guys on power plays, and the power play percentage is what it is. It, it, there'll be a few more goals. There's no doubt. I want to see more five on five. I personally don't like watching. But it will lead to it, Strudge, because eventually they, yeah, the power play slowly went down, and the, and guys took less infractions. Right, but what, what I'm saying is I think you're wrong because there's still the time and space. Guys don't have time to make plays. We do not have time to make plays out there. You look at Victor Hedman. La on Saturday night against McDavid, did a great job. Didn't take a penalty. Yeah. Well, he couldn't have been a call. He was all over. You know what it was like going around Victor Hedman for everybody on the other team? That it was like going around a snowplow on a single lane road. It was unbelievable. Like he, you just can't get around that guy. He, he is, if not the best, one of the best. I, I, I thought the same thing after seeing that game. Yep. He dominated McDavid, but that's what I'm saying. These guys now have no time to make plays. Wayne Gretzky was incredible. But he had, he created that space. He'd step away and he have space. Now everyone's such a good skater to get right up on guys. And I, I'm my problem is that no, I guess it's not my problem. The reality of NHL is that it's so fast out there. Everyone can skate. You have to make a play like this. You don't have time. Yeah, I know, but that but that has nothing to do with calling the rules. Just call the damn rules. No, I just want to enforce the rule book. If it leads to more goals, that's a great substandard to it. But I, I just I don't want to watch guys getting hooked and hold all the time. Like how is that exciting hockey? No, I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying you want to get more power plays. I think that sucks the life out of a game. Nope. Plays, I don't like well, that. then guess what? If you call more power play strides, eventually the coach looks and says, hey, Donkey, like if you keep taking penalties, yep. then yep. you're not going to play. But that's yep. what I'm saying. So I'm saying you call more penalties, then the penalties go down, the numbers go down. You're still left with a product on the ice. There's very little goals because of the time and space is taken away from you. No, I understand. No, but it leads to one thing. It leads to less – if guys have to make tighter plays in space, that's fine. If everybody can skate – and but not everybody can defend Connor McDavid like Victor Hedman. Not We've seen – Connor McDavid, man, is, is not even played a full NHL season, and he's still leading the league in points. Right, but he's not going to, he is not going to single-handedly drive scoring up in the NHL. What I'm saying is that over the, for the whole group, you call more penalties, more penalties are taken, guys take less penalties. Now we're playing five-on-five five again, and there'll be – 
But if you're playing five on five and you're not allowed to obstruct Leon well, Dreisaitl well, here's the thing. or, or Stashny or all the skill guys. But, but you get more goals with a combination. You get more goals with calling more penalties. You get more goals by making the goal equipment smaller. You get more goals by maybe putting stipulations on shin pads. Like you, you can make tweaks to it. You can, you know, they're even talking about potentially changing the shape of the post so that a post goes into the sure. net. Like you can tweak all those little things, but you still have to get more opportunities. I do, I do believe, I, I do believe that the goalie gear change will have an impact, a big impact. I do. I think a streamlined goalie in the net. I mean, if you walk up to an NHL size net and you look at it, there, there's a lot of space there. Right now, it doesn't look like there is a lot with the goaltender's equipment in there. But once you streamline these guys down, they're still going to make great saves. But I do think that percentage-wise, even if it's a tick up 5%, whatever, that's, that's a big jump when you think about it. You that's wanna, just my opinion. You want to see an equipment change change some attitudes. You believe no cup. You make it a league-wide mandate, no cup. Yeah. These people the think way. they're going to start thinking twice before they do dumb stuff, Struds. I'll tell you what, no cup. That's everyone's walking around feeling like they're armor-plated. These you know cups what? today. I don't know why I feel this way, but I, I, I don't mind the game right now. I don't mind the game where it is. I don't mind how fast and how skilled and and the great players. I, I look around. There's still some high-scoring games. Like I. Yeah, but scoring I, overall in the league, Lou, is at the I, lowest level. I, I, to I me, know, it's, it's I, I, I love the speed of the game. I don't like – there is more obstruction now than there has been in 10 years. And, I agree. And there's, like, all these young players come in, and they're not as strong as veterans. you got a bunch of veterans, and the reason they're hooking and holding is because they can't keep up. That's a fact. Eichel, McDavid, Matthews, go down the list of all the young guys who can – and they're skilled, right? It's not just – it's no offense to guys like Todd Marchand and Cogliano who are as fast as lightning – they didn't have the hands to go, go with their quick. no 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 but to go with their speed right he's fast as anything but he doesn't have the finish McDavid's fast Eichel's fast they can finish right so they're now they've enhanced that but we're not getting to see it often enough on a regular basis like I watch other I get to see other sports and I look at the superstars and they are the ones who get to flourish mm -hmm. right they get to flourish everybody whined and complained in the NFL oh you know what the game's getting soft they're taking away defensive here interference two years later does anyone talk about it no and the games are exciting. They, they'd like to see the plays. Guys are still making interceptions. They're just not holding on to receivers all over the field. So why can't you do that in hockey? Like, the guys you pay the most money for are the ones you're basically punishing. And the thing that annoys me is the GMs do nothing about it. They're just, well, you know, that's how Johnny Gaudreau gets his wrist broken from a slash, from a one-handed stick. Stupid. There's no need to do it. It's not accomplishing anything. And he's like, well, that's kind of how hockey is. It's disappointing. No, hockey doesn't need to be that way. You don't need to slash a guy on the hands on purpose to be effective in the game. Like, I don't think it's a man's game. You know what? Learn how to defend without having to go and break a guy's wrist. Now, if you struts, if you want to make him wear longer yeah. gloves, I have no problem with that. Sure. But to me, I just think we have arguably maybe the more, most skilled players overall top to bottom in the history of the nhl oh, top to not bottom a, not a doubt yet we're limiting them to show that skill on a night by night or shift by shift basis yeah, that's I, my complaint i hear what you're saying i guess my concern i do like the battle element i do like that i do like that part of it um I do like where there's competing. I like where there's battles in the trenches. Even oh, I the don't slashing. Mind, I don't like, mind that, me, but, but to me, holding a guy game. in the neutral zone when he's skating okay, away from you. holding is different. But if you're talking about slashing, there's no reason for him to really, quite frankly, for his finger to be broken like that. You should have more protective gloves. All the gloves the guys wear now, they're just like they're wearing oven mitts. You know, you know what, though? The protection is there just to protect in case of an inadvertent slash. You're not actually allowed to slash a guy in the hand. Uh, but I, I kind of like that in hockey. I mean, I, I do. <laughs> I I, quite I, honestly, I, do. Hey, I like it. Strutty, I wish there was five fights a game. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, yeah. But trust I, me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But 
But because okay. they, because they took fighting out, right, right. Nobody's protecting these guys anymore. Thank you. I'm telling you right okay. now, the game has changed in that sense, and I think that people are taking more liberties on the stars oh, now than ever. For sure. Because okay. there's no accountability. That's fair. There's no Jason Strubbucks out there to say, right. "Hey, no, that's like, fair. Knock it off." That's did you, fair. Did you see that was Patrick Berglund last night that gave him a little shot in the face? Right. And yeah. McDavid was being a nice guy coming up, and all of a sudden he takes a pop in the face from Berglund. Let right. me tell you something. Eric Griba goes up and gives him a cross check, which I love, you know, because that's all he can really do yeah, without yeah, taking right. a two, five, and yeah. ten. But you know what? 10, 15 years ago, yeah. Patrick Berglund isn't finishing that game. Sorry. Yeah, yeah and he's not doing that, right? Not a Pac- chance. Yeah, he's not I doing that at all. He wouldn't do it. Yeah, the, the, that guy, like, it's making non tough guys think they're tough. But that, but that to me bothers That's me. the new reality. You know, you talked about the guys you grew up watching and the guys you loved. I, I, I was watching Louis DeBrasque, Bob Probert, <laughs> Mark Messier. Who, who is. My five-year-old son watching right now. He's watching Connor McDavid, Johnny Goudreau, guys that are very skilled, but they're not physically inclined. So it is only going to get uh, better or worse, depending on how you look at it. If you want less or less fighting, you emulate or you copy what you see. Like you copied, mm-hmm. like I copied, and we all enjoy it. Now it's different. And that's who the new reality Okay, is. so I'll ask both and of you. I love the new reality. I do. I love skill. Like you said, yeah, I love the skill. The misconception incredible. with tough guys is that, we don't love skill. We love skill more than anybody. Yeah, just jealous. We didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're so, like, I would like a little bit of that. So I'll ask you this before the break. Do you then think there's a small onus on the players themselves at some point to stand up for themselves? Because, hey, you guys talked about Wensick and Messi and all those different guys. They were skilled guys. Jerome McGinley, right? They still every now and then took it into their own hands and said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. Connor McDavid, um, uh, all those guys, they grew up idolizing Sidney Crosby. And Sidney Crosby... He fights once. He's averaged a fight a year. Bar- barely. But, but it's still once so a year. So do you think when Conor McDavid closes his eyes at night, he's like, no, I think I'm going to fight somebody tomorrow if he drums me. It's, but but, but it's standing up for yourself. He had one fight in junior and broke his hand. Was right. for a yeah, considerable but it's standing up for yourself automatically a fight. I don't. Why not don't have your stick up in the guy's face? every once in a while. Yeah, I think that's what I'd be willing if I was a Conor McDavid. I know vicious, but I remember saying the same thing to Taylor Hall. He was getting run left and right. And I said, build a damn fence. Next time a guy comes to hit you, yes. yeah. make sure he's got to come right through. We used to always say come through the Sherwood, yeah. but right. whatever you want to call it, the Easton, Bauer, CCM, yes. come through that graphite where he's picking out yeah. splinters from Yeah, the that's counts. what I meant. I didn't necessarily mean – I'm not no, expecting no. Conor no, McGavey so to I'm fight. With, I'm with it. Like when, he, when Taylor Hall did that to uh, – was it Clutterbuck? Yeah, Clutterbuck yeah. was out for a while. I think he gets suspended. I think yeah, Hall got suspended. two games. But see, I think every now and then you just have to let people know, like, hey, I know what you're doing to me, and if you push too far, I will get you. Because Conor McDavid, to me – Every shift, he could blow some up the head. Oh, people don't realize that about him. He's so fast. He oh. could do it because he's in. He, he gets in position. So dangerous. He could do it every single shift if he wanted to. He doesn't, but he could. So if I were him, I would line someone up. Like the next time, Berglund or whoever <laughs> run, does something, like, okay, next shift, I wouldn't even look at the puck. I would bury Berglund. Like, bury him. Maybe it's a two-game suspension. Who cares? You just skate off the ice. You're like, you know what, guys? Just so you know, the next time someone does something, I've, I've, I'll take two games every year. That's fine. I'm yeah. still going to have a Gentleman points. t-shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fitting's our big sponsor. We're going to yes. take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about one of uh, Louis's lovely pastimes. Oh, boy. And uh, how it's helped him, maybe hurt yeah. him at different times. You're listening to the Real Life Podcast on the Nation Network, brought to you by Finney. Where other kids saw an unwelcome winter chore, you saw opportunity. Shovel a few neighborhood sidewalks and driveways and make a few bucks. There you go, kid. You never forgot that lesson. And today, the only thing that's changed is the size of your shovel. The reliable, efficient, and affordable Cat Skid Steer from Finning. From just $5.36 a month with the old business lease, heated seat included. 
the old business skid steer for all seasons. Call one finning today. We're back on the Real Life Podcast brought to you by Finning. Our special guest today, former NHLer Louis DeBrus, now the uh, national analyst for uh, Sportsnet. Big deal. Oh, oh, Do you have like a little My name daughter tag got me that one says of those national? Cups from I'm yeah. kind of a big deal. Oh, nice. Yeah, keeps nice. Me, keeps uh, me in line. Okay. I, I can tells tell me, you. Tells me I'm still chubby. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you guys have to be professional. You're real media people. You're actual people. We miss you on Oilers broadcast, Louie. My God in heaven. I'm not going to point to who's doing it now and who's doing a good job and who's doing a bad job, but we miss you on Oilers broadcast. The country is better you having left. Oilers fans, now we have a good team. Now we actually got something worth cheering for, and you don't have to make up excuses for the team anymore. Yeah, that, And now what? you're gone. But you know what? It's, it's good to see. I'm glad they're, they're turning around and people are excited about the team again. And we are too. You know, that's the thing too. We're, we're excited about the direction the team's going as well because we get to call those games, so now, we're happy. Now, do you remember the first few years when you started doing the uh, Oilers games mm-hmm. on TV? Because – Nowadays, you're loved by fans. Yeah, yeah. You weren't so much loved those I first years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I know, I know how it works. And yeah. that's here's the thing: we we all kind of don't like change, but you know, I'm in a great place right now. I'm I'm really excited about uh, where I am right now with with Rogers and Hockenden in Canada and um, getting to do the regional games as well and still touch base on the Oilers and I, and I'm getting to do color on some Oilers games as well. So for me, I know people look at it as a they think it's a competition, but it's it's truly not. You know, we're, I'm 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 where I am right now, and I'm I'm completely happy. Oh, I think you always did a fantastic job. I think maybe early on, I can remember you used to have a watch. And my God, it was big. It looked like it, it yeah. could have bought a space shuttle, but instead, <laughs> you bought that watch. Yeah. And I, I didn't buy. My wife gave me that one as a gift, and oh, it, was, wow. it was surprising to me. It shocked me, to be honest with you. But she just thought that. Uh, you know, I needed a little bit, little bit of jewelry somewhere because I don't wear anything. You know, I don't have necklaces or bracelets or anything. Just a ring and a watch. That's all I have. And, no necklace you know, and no pendant. No, no pendant. Unbelievable. No, no. Well, yeah. but we do miss you as a as a former Oiler, as somebody who did cover the team throughout the dark years. What do you think about the new squad? Is it something that you know was a long time coming, and all of a sudden things fell into place quickly? Is it a guy like Connor McDavid just so good that the league and the team reorganizes around him at light speed? I mean, I think part of both. You know, I think you you know you when you look at how good McDavid is, there's no question you can build a team around him. And um, he's come in here and everybody just is so excited to number one, play with him, play on the same team as him and watch him. So there's just a ton of excitement around him because he is that good. And uh, a lot of pressure for him, but good on him for, for living up to that pressure. And then I think also what you're also saying is that this team has gone through some really lean years and had to pay a lot of prices and uh, a management change, a coaching change. I mean, they've overhauled players everything throughout the whole system so um it's time i think to sum it all up yeah it's time this team is finally starting to make strides in the right direction are they huge steps every night <clears throat> no but they're certainly making strides and that's important now we want to talk about uh, what your biggest hobby <laughs> hunting mm-hmm. yeah i uh <clears throat> you're basically the uh, the does and the bucks basically carry price to you this year. They, they shut you out. Is that <laughs> they true? Ever, absolutely. I was wondering whether I should have chicken broth or beef broth with all my tags that I have left over for my <laughs> tag soup this year. But yeah, you know what? It was a, it was a grind. It was a tough one. I didn't get to get out as much as I like. But um, you know what? And here's the thing: the, as as a bow hunter, because I'm 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 a bow hunter now for the last. I mean, I don't know how many years, but that's what I like to do. It's it's not a great percentage of success. It's like a bad power play, actually, because uh, it's, you know, at any chance you can capitalize, but for the most part, you're getting denied. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's, that's just what it is. But for me, it's not just about that. It's about 
the preparation, the putting the stands up, the scouting, um, sneaking in the dark, getting up in a tree stand, and just, you know, I, I know that, uh, and I, you know, I don't even try and have the debate with anti-hunters and people that don't like hunting. I respect that and respect their opinion. For me, um, when you're sitting up in the tree and you become one with that surroundings, it's, <clears throat> you can't really, it's hard for me to explain it until you go and do it. It's, it's, it's amazing. And you're up there sometimes eight hours. Is yeah. that right? Like, so do you, do you have like, what's, what's the Louis DeBrusque hunting attire? Like, I'm sure you're wearing your skin tight black outfit yeah. uh, that you got, you got headphones <laughs> on. Uh, what, yeah. what do you, what you, yeah. you have your, I'm a big deal mug. What is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's, it's, it's a grind. I'm telling you right now, being a bow hunter in Alberta, especially the bow zone that surrounds the city, it's world class as far as its animals are concerned. But it's it's a grind, and, and a lot of people can't handle it. You have to be prepared for it mentally and physically. And it's, uh, you know, getting into minus 20, 30 temperatures with wind chills even colder, you have to have the right gear. I have some amazing gear that I wear. It's called King of the Mountain. It's made of wool. Uh, it's made out of the States in Colorado. And, uh, you know, Ryan Kohler with Wild TV, is the one that got me onto it because he used it all the time. Okay. And it was the best purchase I ever made. And I'm trying to convince my buddy, Scott Palmer, who I got into bull hunting two years ago to get some, because if you're not comfortable up there in the stand, you got to remember you're a stationary. The thing with these deer is that, and we have, we bull hunt mostly deer. We hunt moose and elk and all that stuff, but deer, they'll spot you. They'll smell you. They'll hear you. They'll see you. And they'll just sense you. Like they're unbelievable. They're, they're so keen that if you make one little move or if you're shuffling in your stand, they'll hear you from 100 yards away in the, in the bushes. You'll never see them. So you have to be dead still and dead quiet. And that's the great thing about wool is that it, it keeps you keeps you quiet and warm. How long could you last in a stand, Greg? Oh, you I have mean, to be we're, dead we're, quiet there, and dead. There, well, I could be quiet for a long well, time. Oh, honestly, come on. What's your I, world record for being quiet I, in a I single? I can't sit still. Like, literally. Like, yeah. I cannot... And, Sit still. And don't get me wrong. Like we set up stands that, you know, some stands where you have to really, really be on your game and really intense the whole time. And then we have different stands that we set up where it's more of a little more, a little more forgiving because you have a lot of cover. Yeah, I, I would a need big that spruce stand. tree, you know, you're tucked in there and you <laughs> okay. can kind of let yourself loosen up a little bit, stand up, sit down. But you know what? Um, you kind of try and sit for as long as you can quiet. And then usually you can, you take a look around and get up and move, move a lot for a little bit and then sit down, try and be quiet again. But uh, usually when you're calling, when you're rattling and you're grunting, you can move a little bit too because you're making calls. So you're trying to attract so, let, let, Do you have a moose call? I do, yeah. Can you do it? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know what? So Ryan but, always says my moose call. Well, he's got that real squeaky high voice. So I, you know, I always say that his moose call is more sleazy than mine. That's a, that's a cow moose, by the way, because um, he seems to get bulls to come into his moose call. And then my buddy Sky. So you call? Year, oh, that's the, one. That's a cow moose. You're trying to call the bull. In. Oh, okay. That's a bull, like a more of a grunt, right? Yeah. But yeah, you know what? Everybody's different. You're, you're just trying to fool them. You're trying to put the odds in your favor. So bull hunters typically, because you have to be so close to the animal, we chase ruts. We chase when the breeding seasons of animals uh, because they're more predictable. Uh, they let their guards down, and you can call them. You can usually bring them into into you closer. Now those so, guys get horny. They just get sucked in every time. Well, if you only bred once a year, you'd kind of want to make the best. <laughs> once of a year, that'd be so. fantastic, <laughs> hey Gregor. <laughs> Woo! All right, yeah. once a year. But yeah, you know what? It's you know what? From a from a young age, my grandfather, and my dad took me out hunting and fishing, and I always had a passion for the outdoors. And hockey kind of got in the way, believe it or not. 
when I moved away to play junior and even when I first started playing pro, I didn't, I didn't really get out that much, but my father-in-law here in Edmonton was a big hunter. And when I met my wife now, Cindy, he, you know, him and I, you know, I always joked that I married her to get to him, <laughs> you know, because uh, we were like two peas in a pod when it came to fishing and hunting. We spent a lot of time in the outdoors. And you've had, you've taken a lot of the, the orders who different players. I know Matt Hendricks is, is a big guy. I think it was Ryan Jones, Steve McIntyre. Were those some of the orders over the past years yeah. that, that you would take hunting? Who was yeah. the best of them? <clears throat> who was, well, you know who was really lucky was Ryan Jones. Ryan Jones, I mean, he didn't capitalize always on it, but that guy saw more game and more big bucks than anybody else. And Big Mac also. For a guy that's six foot five, two fifty in a tree, he saw a lot of game. But Mac stole my moose one year. I was so mad at him. But what are you gonna say? You know, I, I had set up a spot and we had patterned this moose coming to this little watering hole and it was coming in there and that the one day I couldn't hunt, he snuck in there with Ryan and shot my moose. So I got a little meat out of it, though. If you're a moose and you're sitting there and you probably don't see more than, well, one human being in your lifetime until you're on the wrong end of a bow and you've got McIntyre and DeBrusque sitting in a tree, like you must overly well, think humans are just ridiculously tough. Well, get this. So um, this is the best thing. We, we went bear hunting up in Saskatchewan. A buddy of mine, Darnie Kisslinger's Kisslinger Outfitting, and he, it's, it's an awesome, awesome lodge. If you ever want to go, go. I'm not promoting. I'm just saying it was just it's just a great lodge and it's a lot of fun. But Big Mac came up there with me. Ryan Jones was up there and... Um, I had tagged out. I had, I had shot my bear already. So I hunted the rest of the week with Big Mac. And we sat in the stand. And that's the best thing about bear hunting. You know, you're, you're hunting over a bait. You're trying to get them to come in. And the big guys will sometimes come in. Sometimes they won't. They're a little finicky. They'll look up and they just don't like what they see. And the funniest thing was I was never more safe in my life in a bear stand <laughs> than with Big Mac beside me. I'm like, you know, like, I don't like the bear's chances if he comes up our stand. I would we, take either of you in a one-on-one -on -one fight against and, a bear. Who's a faster runner, though? We Is had, the uh, I think I could take him. I think I could take him short distance, but we had uh, we had this little boar that kept coming up our stand and, and peeking over the edge, and you know, it was I, I just kept looking at him saying, "Buddy, you're you're asking for a whole can of whoop ass right now." <laughs> yeah. So uh, you would have a, a bear climb the up your stand. Pardon me. You had a bear climb. Oh up yeah, your stand? yeah. They come up in the stand all the time. These are big wooden stands with platforms, and so they just know, look like, at it like a jungle gym. Yeah, they they're always climbing. You, come into the bait sometimes and they'd be sleeping up in the stand sometimes they just you know what they're they're wicked climbers people don't realize how fast a bear can run up a tree like so if you think you're going to have time to react i mean i'm joking when i say we're tougher than a bear by the way i mean i don't know no 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 150 150 pound bear would ragdoll steve and i you know it would it would be ridiculous if it really wanted to, to come after us so and we respect that we know that you know that's um, part of the allure of bear hunting is that there is a little bit of a danger element there with it. You know, when you're, you got bears coming in, the sows with cubs are a little aggressive that time of year, and you just have to be on, on the alert at all times. It's, but it's half the fun is just sitting there and watch them interact too. It's like a live zoo 15 yards in front of you. It's incredible to see how they interact with one another. And when a big bear comes into the bait, the little ones skitter off and then they come back in once it leaves. It's it's pretty neat, the pecking order. I'd be going into a stand with a bear there. I'd need like an AR-15 and like an AMRAM missile battery. Yeah. I'd be calling in an airstrike. There's a bear up here. Somebody do something. You know, it's it, and there's so many of them. You don't realize how many bears are out there until you, you get into an environment like that where um, it's all bush and water and it's right in their element. I mean, Have you ever went wolf hunting? I never deliberately hunted for wolves. Um, I've done a little bit of predator calling with, with friends. Because up north I, right now, like, yeah. there's a massive uh, overpopulation of wolves. There's lots of guys yeah, up there that they, talk about it. They've started to become a little bit of a nuisance. And also cougars, you know, mountain lions. Mountain cougars are starting to really infringe a little bit as well. And I know some, some landowner that I know 
around the city, like, you know, from an hour away from the city, they're starting to come in there on a regular basis and um, they can be a nuisance as well. That's, that's probably my biggest fear in the woods is a, is a cougar, to be honest with you, you know, cause we're sneaking into stands in the dark. So you know, you're going into your stand in the morning and pitch black and you're coming out at pitch black typically. And I, I, the one time I remember there was a pug mark in my track and it's like, you know what, like th they see you, they know you're there, but Bears typically are going to give you a little bit of a warning. You're going to see them. They're going to maybe come in. But cougars, you'll never know they're there. They're so sneaky. Gregor, you used to hunt cougars back in the day. And did you see them coming? Or would they sneak up on you too and on yeah. the rocks when you're there with your collar popped? <laughs> and, yeah, seven uh, Lamones yeah, deep yeah, and one yeah. sneaks up on your Cape six. Man style, club. Oh, no, yeah. I was never involved in those sorts of shenanigans. I have no idea <laughs> what you guys are talking about. Now, yeah, your young son, Jake, of course, uh, drafted by the, uh, the Boston Bruins in the first round, playing in the American League. For the first year of this season, uh, have you got him into bow hunting? You know what I tried again. It was really busy with his schedule. You know, kids playing sports. It's it, it's amazing, especially if you're playing competitive sports and you're really invested in it. It's hard to do other things. But I did get him and my daughter Jordan shooting the bow. They can both shoot a bow well, like an adult uh, bow. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Yep. You know, they can both shoot a bow well, and uh, you know, I it's it's amazing because there's a real good example. You know, I don't think he really took to the liking of wanting to go out and, and harvest an animal, you know, taking a life. It was like for him, it just wasn't his cup of tea. Uh, my daughter, on the other hand, I think I could probably convince her to get in there with me and, and do some damage, even though she's a, an animal lover and she's, you know, but I think that she has that mentality. I remember when I used to bring the deer back and field dress them and explain to them the anatomy and, you know, the muscles and, you know, what I was doing when I was taking the meat off the, the bones and stuff, you know, Jake would kind of look at it and go, ew, you know, like that's disgusting. Whereas, you know, Jordan would walk up and poke it with her finger, you know, like, what is that? You know, she was really interested in it, right? So it's like a live biology class. Yeah, you know, really. it's just, it's just different. You know, some yep. people can handle it. Some people can't. And I understand that. And, you know, but I like the fact that I got them both out shooting because even just the sport of archery, just, just going and shooting a bow, um, it takes concentration, precision. You can tweak with your equipment. You can, you know, do things to your arrows to make them faster, slower, more accurate. And it's, it's just, you can, it can consume you in that environment. Like outside of doing play-by-play -play yeah, or, or analyst in the NHL, you could actually go to the Olympics and do archery if they ever <laughs> asked. Like that's probably the one sport you'd no. be like, I'd like to go and call that. I would like to be that good. Uh, I'm no. not that good. No, 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 no. But I'm, oh, no, I didn't say <laughs> yeah, you could I'm compete. Not. I'm saying yeah. you could, you could be an analyst and call yeah, that. You know, um, Probably I could I could fake it okay you know because I, I know a little bit of what I'm talking about but the guys the technicians on bows those guys are are amazing but but I watch a lot of videos on it it is, it is a real passion for me it's not a hobby it's it's part of me it really is it's I, I tell my wife like typically the month of November I I'm like a rutting deer I kind of just <laughs> want to go jump in a stand and you know you know take off and that's and she she understands that whenever I can but. Uh, but there's a lot more to it. it. It's amazing, like anything else in this world, whether it's shooting pool or whatever. I mean, it, when you're when you're really, really good at doing that, you got to put in a lot of. They're time. amazing, and a lot of it comes down to just executing the shot. You know, a lot of it comes down to the the mindset and the body for the person, just like anything else in sports. It's so, incredible. So quick, when you're pulling the bow, what are the top two or three things necessary? for you to be accurate to hit it from 50 100 i don't know how far how far can you shoot a bow accurately yeah you know we've uh we we venture out there the new bows and technologies today 
Now, this we're talking about just shooting targets here. I mean, ethically, to shoot at animals, everybody has a distance, and that's going to be different for everybody. I mean, some people, it's going to be 10, 15 yards. Other people, it's going to be 50, 60 yards. But whatever you feel comfortable where you know ethically you've practiced and you can shoot that animal at, um, I can't judge that for anybody. I don't like people that put a limit on people, but um, it's where you're comfortable and you feel you can make a clean ethical shot. That's, that's how I always tell people. If you think you can execute that shot perfectly – then that's what your distance. And by is. ethical, you mean not just hoping to hit the animal yeah, and hit it in the wrong spot. Actually, putting it right where you want to put it okay. on a regular basis, on a consistent regular basis. That's where you can put that arrow, and you know that because you've shot it and you've practiced it, and you feel that you can make that shot. Do you think Wanye could pull an adult bow? Like if we brought one up here right you now, know what's just pull one. It, like, I was going to bring one actually. I was going to bring oh, one, but you know what? Because uh, I hear it's a lot harder than we think. Especially, I think it's pretty hard. I'm not rounding down <laughs> on how hard enough this for is. sure. I know you work out, Jason, too. You, people are. I've had guys that are really strong people that struggle with it, and then I've had people that don't work out that can pull it back no problem. It's just the different set of muscles that you use that. Um, some people can you can easily do it and other people can't but everybody can build up to it and that's the thing too that you have bows now where you can adjust the poundage and adjust the length so like for the instance the bow i got for jake that jordan shot after it goes from a, pretty much a kid's bow into an adult bow okay it changes as you go as you grow older you can crank the poundage on it to make it stronger and that was a big test for him coming back from his first year of junior <laughs> yeah he was i we, we, he got home the first day he got home he i was out shooting my bow in the garage just kind of doing some paper tuning with it and i'm like hey do you think you, you think you're strong enough to pull my bow back now and he goes absolutely so he grabbed my my bow and pulled it back no problem and i got it on video too so it was kind of funny but i was like it his was kind entrance of like, to manhood entrance into manhood with a bow would be able to pull back the the 70 pound bow but you know at 15 or 16 because he wasn't the biggest kid growing up so you know he, that was that was a um an achievement for him to be able to do that but he did it pretty easily so zombie apocalypse hits not if when when the zombie apocalypse hits and the rest of us are like running around the street getting yeah. chased the debrusque family is up in a blind with <laughs> big mac they got a necklace made of hey, ears yeah. they're picking Last zombies time I up looked, zombies can't climb trees oh no but you'll yeah, be the guys yeah, that'll yeah. be like oh there was a zombie apocalypse i had no idea we're well, up in a blind we have a hot tub up there and, we haven't even seen a zombie and i used to watch the walking dead all the time and i love that guy with the crossbow yeah. he used to you know he was always the guy going out what a the perfect weapon for it because you can reuse it over and over again. It's quiet. Too. That's how I imagine you guys in the yeah. zombie apocalypse moving stealthily in a yeah. V formation through the woods. You got your father-in-law with you. Everybody's living good in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So before we let you go, a quickly transition to TV. What, what is? Are you a Netflix guy? Are you do you watch shows? Like, what's your go-to show right now? Go-to. I've really got into Westworld and uh, Westworld with uh, Anthony okay. Hopkins. Yeah, they yeah, have, yeah. I don't know what you want to call them. There's an, an artificial um, universe. Would they make clones and yes. they come out of the, and you know you can simulate the old west and go in there and live out all your fantasies and dreams and you know put yourself into situations and yeah I just I think it's a real cool concept I haven't finished the first first season I got busy so I, I have to catch up I have about four or five episodes I got to catch up on that but that was the show for me that I really got into one of my favorite shows ever ever though was Rescue Me with Dennis Leary where the firefighting show. Have you ever? Have you ever? I don't seen think it? I've ever seen that oh, one. Oh man, you gotta watch it. It's, it's rescue fan- me. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. So it's just like a bunch of firefighters. It's not. It's Dennis Leary is a loose cannon. I don't want to give you uh, Tommy Gavin is his name in the show, but he, uh, you know, he's like an alcoholic, uh, you know, falling apart life. And after nine eleven, uh, he lost his best friend in that in that, and he 
comes back to him. Like he dead people talk to him. Kind oh, of. okay. So he he has people that talk to him, and he just but it's it's drama but comedy at the same time. But he loves hockey, so they always play the police officers, and there's always fights, and it's always you know. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I you got you got to like. Uh, you got to watch it. I can't believe you've never watched I, Rescue Me. No, it's, it's I've never heard of it. It's, I it's gotta, a great I'll show. Look yeah. at it. I got a yeah. few shows that I watch, but yeah, that's. But again, I, I have a lot that are lined up. My kids tell me now. My kids are in age now, eighteen and twenty, where they watch the shows and they're like, "You got to watch this show." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll just add it to the list when I have time," because <laughs> I don't watch a ton of TV to be honest. But I, I other do, than other than sports, yeah, I do like going and watching shows in succession, though. I like to. You know, go about three Binge years walk. into it. But Game of Thrones is the big one. Getting yeah. back to what you asked me right away. Sure. Game of Thrones is the number one right now in the household with my daughter and I. We can't wait for it to start up again. I know. So it sucks that it's only 10 yeah. weeks. You got it. Like it comes in April. I know. And it's done. I've never but, seen a moment of Game of Thrones. Oh. You know, it's one funny. second of one show. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't take to it right away. I She actually convinced me twice to watch it. And I finally watched an episode on a flight from Edmonton to Calgary. I was going to do studio for a week. And I think I watched three seasons. In a week, like yeah. I was, I literally couldn't stop watching. Well, the and show Game of Thrones, honestly, is almost better if yeah. you watch it like that because there's so many characters that while you're like, who's that again? Yeah, you get lost a yeah. little bit with it. But yeah, Game of Thrones is is fantastic. It's funny because Ray I, Donovan. If you've never seen that show, I highly recommend Ray Donovan. Really, Ray Donovan with Lee Schreiber is outstanding. John Voight's in it, his dad, and he's unbelievable. Okay, he's that show. Is without a doubt one of the best shows. Nice. Going. Yeah, it's yeah. underrated. Not a lot of people talk about it. If you like binge watch, I guarantee you, if you watch one episode of Ray Donovan, you will be watching three years cool. in, in I'll about do it. two weeks. You know what? I will take you up on that. Huh. I recently finished season one of The Crown on Netflix, which is the biography of Queen Elizabeth. And she is a very tough monarch. And maybe I'm not as cool as you with your Ray Donovan and you with your Rescue Me. But Queen Elizabeth, look out for her. She's something else. <laughs> the Crown? So oh, it's amazing. Good. I love the royals. Oh, nice. the Royals. The Royals, yeah. Well, that's a big big show in the household, too, with my wife and daughter. They like that show. Your wife and your daughter. Yeah. I, I mean, I've watched some episodes, too, because you're forced into it, you know, and the, the TV's on. You're like, okay, I guess I'll watch a little bit. But uh, I don't want to do I, housework, I, so I'll I watch TV. Yeah, yeah. I, Girls I, are making me do it, yeah. too, Louie. Yeah, I, I, it was I, totally I, a girl I, that I told me to. I understand the allure of it. It's a good yeah. show. It really is a good show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he relates to your wife and daughter's viewing pleasures. That's exactly. outstanding. Yeah, well, I was about to tell a story about why I like the Royals. My grandma used to have a towel on the stove that was the uh, Princess Di and Prince Charles towel, and only guests were allowed to use it. And she would sit us down and explain to us why we were lucky to be in the Commonwealth and who the queen was on the money and stuff like that and it stuck with me hmm. you know yeah, yeah. See, i don't have any real pre i kind of like do we need the royals in 2000 we need the royals yes, i don't of think course we do who I, else do we put on the money <laughs> we could put a lot of we just put the new ladies going on the ten dollar bill right the new away. lady the um her name escapes me right now she was the uh uh human rights activist for like way back i are talking about her. the u.s or canada Oh, well, the U.S. is oh, putting the Harry their, Tubman yeah, and but in the Canadian dollar, there are there all there was talk they're switching to, right? As we should, like you tell me, we could only put monarchs on our bills. Well, on the one side, that's the rules. The rules are changed. Oh, you know for what? crying out hey, loud! Hey, the NHL changed the rules. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can change the rules for whose face is on the bill. Could you even name like most people, honestly? First of all, we changed from a dollar bill to a loony. Oh, I'm pretty sure we went from a monarch's face to a duck. I uh, know the okay. monarch's still in the loony. To a loony, she's on the flip side. Yeah, that's right. I'm just still. thinking to myself how embarrassing it is. You're talking about like bow hunting and, and being all tough. And I'm like, you know who's great? The queen. She's, <laughs> she's fantastic. And, and my grandma's tea towels as a child. My God, what am I doing on this show? Everybody has different interests. That's true. Yeah. It's different interests. I don't, and honestly, I don't think bow hunting is really tough. I kind of look at it. It's, it, it's hard to explain. It's more like uh, it's tough. Going it's into tough a blind in and it's minus 30. It's very difficult to, 
to be successful. It's tough. You've got a but, bear uh, and a blind at minus 30 like, in the dark. You know, it's it's more stealthy. It's it's kind of, it's just a different Well, don't you go thinking. into, where's the magical forest that you go and visit? Oh, yeah, Narnia. Yeah. You're talking about Narnia. Yeah, that's uh, my buddy Ryan's, one of the bushes of permissions that he has. We call it Narnia because it's just a, a wild, wicked, um, awesome piece of property to hunt. So we, we always laugh that guys are a little intimidated to walk in there in the dark sometimes. People don't like walking in the Narnia in the dark because there's strange noises in there too. But And there's even a wardrobe, believe it or not. I was say, I thought Louis DeBrus was actually hunting in Narnia, like <laughs> shooting a talking lion and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Unicorn or something <laughs> goes by. But you know what? Down there, you don't know what's going to walk out. That's the funny thing. Honestly, it's true how a lot of people are, are nervous to walk in an area where it's pitch black like that and would, it would be you just bring your i'm sure you could just say let's just come out there we don't even have to go up and and walk into the blind i just want you to come and enter the forest five and million see, years you know, of evolution every well, genome in your body saying danger danger well, run towards light and i'm the same way uh, honestly like it's it's true like when you're when you're walking in pitch black in the bush there's always that in the oh yeah your you're mind, one, like, you're you always thinking did i see something I'm probably being watched right now by a yeti or something and <laughs> i don't know what's going to come up and tap me on the shoulder here but um but that's part of it too. That's part of the excitement of it is you're you're sneaking into uncharted territories, right? That's that's kind of the allure. Some guys go way to the extreme, mountain hunting, and you know, over in Africa and different you know countries, they're trekking through Amazons to try. I mean, it's that's mostly the allure. Like that's kind of part of it too. Is that it's thrill seeking. It's just not always about no killing no. an animal. It's no, about, it's about the journey. It's Putting yourself journey. into that position yeah. without yeah. a doubt, I think, is yeah. get outside of your comfort zone, and it's definitely an adrenaline rush. It's kind of like dropping the mitts, right? It's, it's kind of like, yeah, and it's kind of like being, uh, you're in their world. You become a piece of their world, which is, it's so foreign to us. You know, you, you sneak into the middle of a bush, you put a tree stand up in 20 minutes, and you're in the tree, and you're sitting there all quiet, and then the next thing you know, nature just goes back on being around you. It's not... You just become a part of it. I know it sounds really deep. No, I but totally. it is. It, it's it. Uh, that's to me like sitting in a tree like that, and you're looking around, going, "These animals have no idea I'm here." Like I just snuck into their into their kitchen, and I'm you know making a sandwich, and they have no idea. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean about going to certain areas. Like when I go into the farm, it's a very relaxing yep. place for me. You kind of get away from the hustle and bustle and. You know, calving season, you just sit in the straw bale. I would used to have naps in there, and you'd wake up, and you'd have 40 calves just because they're curious, and they'd be around you. But I used to walk through the back 40 sometimes at night in the summertime, and it'd be pitch black. And I knew exactly – and I'd walk that path in the day a thousand times. <laughs> but you walk that path at nighttime, and it was always it a little – like a I, used, shape, I brought my buddies it? out there once just to see, okay, guys, we're going to go for a walk in the bush. And only two guys got past the first 20 yards. They're like, I'm not going any farther. And I'm like, there's nothing in here. I know there's nothing in there. Like, there's definitely no bobcats or lions or anything like that. You know, the odd, you'd have the odd grouse. And, and every now and then. Maybe a moose. There was a grouse. grouse has a handgun. Yeah. The, for years, we used to have a big mum moose that used to come back every year. Yeah. And you could hear her coming through the bush. And sometimes there'd be a bull. And you could just hear them. And they'd be just knocking trees down. It was yeah. unbelievable. But it was freaky. And for me, it was very calming to go in there. It was just like, I know exactly where I am. But I'm still always like, well, this might be the time, right? There might be a, a bobcat or something, a lynx that comes out of nowhere. And, you know, the grouse used to scare people. That was the one. I don't, I'm oh, like, they, it's a it, heart attack every time one bus, <laughs> right? You know, four feet from you. They just wait. It's just yeah. this little chicken. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, had, I had a big cow moose and a, and a calf underneath my tree stand one time for like 30 minutes just picking off the ends of willows. And I was, you know, throwing bark at them and. You know, just trying to see how much I could get away with before they recognized that I was in the tree. 
And the, I think the calf actually spotted me before the mom did, but I don't think the calf really understood that it was danger yet. So I was, I was laughing. I was taking video and pictures of them and it was pretty cool. You know, that's, that's part of it too. You know, you're, you're literally 10 feet away from a wild animal. And they have no idea you're there. Louie, we really appreciate having on the, the Real Life Podcast. I know other fans uh, wish you continued success. Uh, we'll see you on the regional ones and then on the national broadcast and uh, maybe an Euler playoff game for the oh, first time in Scott. 11 years. That'd be outstanding. On behalf of Wanye, Struts, who's MIA somewhere. We don't know where he went. Uh, Louis DeBrusque of Jason Dreger. That's Real Life brought to you by Finney. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.